Hello and welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. We are your hosts, Vidas Pinkavichus and Oshamut Zeta Pinkavichin. We've been mastering secrets of organ playing for more than 20 years and sharing them on this blog since 2011. On this show, which we create from our home in Vilnius, Lithuania, we strive to help you grow in every area of organ playing, including practice, technique, repertoire, sight reading, hymn playing, improvisation, composition, music theory, harmony, and many others. Our hope is to help you become a complete musician, or what we call as total organist, a program which we have created to help you reach your dreams faster than you would do on your own. If you are new here, we invite you to subscribe to receive free updates of this blog at organduo.lt. By subscribing, you will also receive free video on how to master any organ composition and 10-day organ playing mini course. And now let's go to the podcast for today. I'm so excited to, to be able to talk with John Higgins now from Australia, my old friend, and uh, he's been on our show for about maybe three times now. So I'm really delighted that we can connect because because uh, John has some news to share. Last time we talked, it was a while ago, and uh, he's very busy with, uh, with raising his family, uh, three kids now, and also uh, working in a church, uh, also uh, playing church music and also uh, doing all kinds of uh, church music related things which we will talk about today so thank you so much john and welcome to the show thank you so much vitas and uh it's such um such an honor to uh, be on this podcast and i'm just so proud to be one of your students for over eight years now yeah yeah i remember that uh you were in Vilnius, right? Uh, I was I was looking for all the photos uh, from from the past and found uh, you playing in Vilnius and um, photo with me and Tosha and um, and we all together spent some times. Uh, you were uh, your flight was delayed, right? It was a big adventure, and uh, after. Uh, I think practicing for seven years, you finally got to play a recital on the largest pipe organ in Lithuania. That was quite an adventure. Yes, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life uh, and such a wonderful opportunity. I just can't thank you enough for that opportunity and uh, I'll never forget it. Um, I feel like the organ is part of me and i feel like you and Ozra are such a huge part of my life as well what happened afterwards john um after after you came back to australia i know you have a, a very dangerous bushfires uh, in your area and um, uh, i hope uh, you will you know uh, firefighters will will stop them soon you will get rain that's my hope for the new year of course um we'll hope uh, for the more, much milder my milder milder 
climate, so to say. Uh, but could you share, uh, John, um, about your your life after you came back to Australia? What have you been up to? Yes, it's been uh, been uh, quite a busy time. So in February of 2019, we had our third son, Isaac. Uh, so that was a real joy and um, a, a wonderful, just wonderful to see that new little life come into the world. Uh, so Eliza, my wife and I have been quite busy now with uh, training them and mm -hmm. uh, I've continued to develop and grow in the uh, in my organ playing at our church St Andrews in Morwell where I play on the 1873 Speechley and Ingram Pipe Organ which is heritage listed and uh, it's a wonderful organ to play and uh, this is coming around to my third year at the church and I'm starting to get a lot more heavily involved in influencing the music program and expanding my repertoire and, and improving the hymn playing and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, how can you manage so much activity, so many activities uh, while raising the kids and of course uh, working uh, in another full-time position, uh, right, uh, uh, as your main job? How do you find energy and time in your days? Can you share with that with us? It's a very good question. Um, it, it, life gets very busy, and um, particularly when music's your hobby and not your profession, uh, you have to prioritize having a job so that you can pay the bills, and you need to prioritize looking after your family as well. Um, but I've, I've found particularly this year where I've had the least amount of spare time of any year really, uh, that I've just had to be very focused about using every spare minute that's available. So uh, I think one of the big improvements I've made is more focus with my practice. So um, my um, I'm, I'm fairly fortunate with the church music that I'm one of four people in the music team. So I only have to play um, once or twice a month, depending on the roster. Yeah. Um, which is quite good. Um, so, but I've found that my preparations become a lot more efficient where uh sight readings improved and my practice this year i've slowed down a lot more and it's probably taken me a few years to really understand how important your advice was about practicing slowly so this last year i've practiced the slowest ever I'm so slow practicing very very slowly um and only one line at a time of the hymn or even less and I find now that when I look at the four hymns, I can usually pick maybe um, four or five measures where I know that I'll have problems and I work on those. And sometimes the rest I don't even spend 
much time on at all because it might be very simple parallel six or something like that with the same fingering that I just know. I see. Yeah, I, I'm really delighted that you can, you know, uh, apply our tips. They really work and not too many people um, stay with those tips and uh, uh, through the longer period of time. Sometimes people get discouraged while playing very slowly, right? They they want quick results and when you play one line at a time very, very carefully, very slowly, you don't feel the improvement right away, right? You have to go back maybe a month later to the old piece that you weren't able to be able to weren't able to play at that time one month ago and then after this diligent slow practice of different other pieces you come back to the old music which was virtually inaccessible to you and you will see that basically your playing has much improved that's how my best students tell me uh, right i no longer have to do this uh, no longer have to check myself if i'm doing progress or not i know i'm you know i'm practicing them the efficient way and i'm not feeling anxious about whether or not i should uh, be doing something differently but for people who are you know um in, in the earlier ages uh, stages of of their organ playing experience this sometimes helps them see their practice improvements over time going back a month three months six months later to the old music difficult music right and so have you been doing that as well yes that's a interesting there's two interesting points you've identified there for real determination and I think that's one of the hardest things when you're busy with family life and work is um, it's sometimes it's difficult to stay focused and be disciplined. But I've, I've tried very hard this year, even though I've been busy, I'll always spend you know, at least 15 minutes practicing a day. Um, I like to try and spend one hour, but quite often that hasn't been possible but I sometimes I sit there and I think I'm nearly half asleep just before I go to bed but I at least do 15 minutes uh, and it just makes such a big difference because when you miss a day or two you find you've fallen so much further behind even if you just by doing the 15 minutes you're staying level at least you're not going backwards uh, and then the other point you raised is quite an interesting experience I had where I didn't have enough, I didn't have as much spare time this year to learn new pieces. So when I played my Christmas recital at Victor Harbour um, before Christmas, uh, some of the pieces I played were repeats from a few years ago. And I found it was very interesting that when I started practicing those pieces, it was very easy to zone out mentally. You'd start practicing the piece and go, oh, I've seen this before, I've heard it before. And your mind 
drifts into neutral. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I really had to stop myself and force myself to listen to every single detail and every single aspect. And in some cases, I went back and redid the fingering and pedaling because it, it wasn't quite working for me and really had to look at it with a fresh focus. Right. Um, I remember not long ago, after our Christmas recital with Vosha, we started practicing um, uh, music for our upcoming recital in Sweden, in Örebro. Uh, we will be going there in, um, in February. February 9th is the day. And this is uh, music that we played before. Uh, Mozart Sonata for Four Hands, Beethoven's Adagio, Brandenburg Concerto Number no. One by Bach. Uh, what else? Uh, my own piece, Veni Creator, arranged for organ duet. Uh, then Lithuanian, uh, basically folk songs arranged uh, for organ duet by Kristina Vasilovskaita, and uh, some other music as well. Um, to complete 60-minute recital time. And what I noticed that, actually we both noticed that we actually could play this recital tomorrow <laughs> because it's, it's under our fingers, you see. Uh, we've, we've been playing this music at least several times publicly, uh, other pieces more than three times, maybe 10 times, you know, and... Um, uh, it's it's really really easy to refresh now Brandenburg Concerto needs a little bit more uh, work because the left hand part is complex and um, and it will take a little bit uh, time to refresh our technique on that but generally we agreed that yes we could play it successfully tomorrow so uh, we were very very glad to to be able to find that out. Uh, and I guess the reason I'm telling you this, John, is because you yourself, when you repeat old music, like in Christmas recital or uh, any other, uh, you know, uh, occasion that you will like to play in the future, I think you will find that it's very, very nice to repeat your music and um, you will find how much you have grown over that period, right? Those old pieces, even though you say it's you, your mind grows into neutral, yes, but um, but but they are under your fingers, I guess. That's a good thing, right? Yes, you're right. And because the uh, my Christmas recital was uh, less than one week after the nine lessons and carols service and I was putting a huge amount of work into the carol service and I didn't have much time to work on my repertoire for the um, the concert, which was six days later. And two of those six days I had travel in the car. So I only had three days of practice and um, with some of those pieces I'd played before that, I, I didn't need to um, practice a lot on the instrument. I was even doing some mental practice um, of just looking at the scores and visualizing 
the particularly the pedaling, just visualizing how it would go and thinking about um, the organ that I would be playing on and some of the difficulties with it, anticipating the difficulties with that instrument and stop changes and things like that. And uh, it was by far the most successful concert I've had. Wonderful. So you mentioned visualizing, right? Visualization, the benefits of that. And can you expand on that? Uh, uh, what helps you do that and the reason you're doing that, uh, even if you don't have the access uh, to the real organ? Yes, when you first introduced me to this concept, I found it was a real struggle because I don't think I had enough um, organ music and technique. Um, my development wasn't sufficient. But now that I'm a few years down the track and I've learnt a few, quite a few pieces, I've improved my technical skills, um, now I've, I'm finding it's more and more beneficial that because uh, I, I, I definitely learn a lot through visual and the feel of how it's going to be, feeling the interval spans on my fingers or, you know, visualising, you know, toe heel, toe heel or something like that with the pedals and um, visualizing the layout of the stops as well, which manual I'm playing on. Um, and that's that, that has helped quite a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, when, you, when you feel that your mode of thinking and learning is visual, that's very beneficial. You know, some people are more tactile, some, type, some people are more audio related for example they can learn out of uh, uh, listening uh, uh, of music to music right music slowly played music they can really learn for example people with um, uh, sight problems uh, uh, who cannot see right uh, blind they learn differently from people who you know can see right and uh, for us uh, a lot of times this visualization really is helpful i would say even if you don't have an access to a real organ especially then when i travel with my recitals and practice time is limited on an actual organ that i'm going to play i'm staying in a hotel room and when everybody else is going around to museums and attractions and sightseeing the, the city or the town, I'm staying before the recital and um, visualizing everything that is going to take place. Especially if the music is a little bit unfamiliar to me, especially if it's the first time performance on that instrument right uh, i need to be extra careful and, but also there is another help to me improvisation uh, i can be quite relaxed now on on um, on uh, many kinds of different instruments even though uh, they are unfamiliar to me because i know that whatever happens if i lose my place i can improvise and uh, 
basically continue playing without a glitch. Did you have that experience in your performance um, career over over those couple of years? I, I don't. Uh, I don't believe I'm quite at the stage where I can improvise if I make a mistake. Um, I think in him, in him playing, uh, I'm reasonably good at, I think particularly this last year, I've made a big improvement with probably avoiding having those mistakes in the first place um, and really working on focus and concentration uh, because I started noticing a pattern that that obviously if you if, if you're struggling with your preparation or struggling technically in a certain area, um, often that can be where the mistakes that I was going okay with some of the difficult sections, but the mistakes were happening in the easy sections. So I've spent a lot of time this year on trying to train my mind like a muscle to stop having these concentration lapses and uh, it's it's quite strange how uh, uh, well for me my my brain very easily wanders from a task and you think that you're concentrating but you're not really you mentioned uh, that you sometimes uh wander around with your mind and uh, then even if you can play perfectly and without mistakes in difficult spots you suddenly you know um, play with mistakes in easiest sections and that's very common i think uh, experience for all of us uh, whenever i get relaxed or too relaxed uh, at the end of the piece let's say the last page and i know the end is coming and i know this ending very well and i feel quite secure at that right moment i can be sure that extra extra danger is coming up i might not make a mistake there but uh, i've done that I, I played with mistakes in the last page even in the last few measures in the last line or even in the last chord you know like you you sort of are done but not quite done and uh, and then you miss that last last chord which is quite embarrassing right uh, so so how do you stay focused until the recital is over definitely is still a work in progress uh, I think the best piece of advice you gave me that that has almost become my mantra now is it's not over until you're in the car park <laughs> oh this is not and, um, the you, last you know who said that this is a famous word line um, that um, merlin mason professor merlin mason from university of michigan used to say it's not over until you are in a parking lot and um, I think I think we've been told about that not directly by her but by our old professor Pamela Reuter Finstra at Eastern Michigan University but I know that's the phrase that Marilyn Mason 
uh, used in her teaching. And it's really helpful, right? Yes, and in fact, I, I almost say that um, it's not over until you've driven out onto the main road because um, it's, it's, I've had some amazing conversations with people in the car park uh -huh. and I'm very conscious of how important it is as, a, as an ambassador for the pipe organ, as an ambassador of good music, um, to be friendly and professional and to show genuine care and interest in other people. And uh, it's amazing in the car park how people are more open and lighter, as in um, perhaps feel more relaxed to have a real conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, um, that's really helpful to keep in mind. And I think when you're doing this in practice uh, towards the end of the recital, let's say, or, or the church service, uh, I think breathing, right? Breathing, uh, staying in, in that in and out uh, breathing moment and uh, movement is very helpful to keep keep focusing uh, you cannot really relax without breathing and you can't really breathe without relaxing and it's interesting that when you need to focus your body needs to be relaxed not tense but uh, but relaxed whereas your mind has to be very very tense there is a saying in uh, in martial art, um, martial arts uh, circles, that your body has to be relaxed, but your mind has to be on fire, like 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 really, really extra extra focused. That's when you are most alert and most uh, engaged, and uh, actually ready, whatever comes next. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned. Um, that it's not over until you are in the main road, right? Not only in the parking lot, but even further, right? Because <laughs> you have to uh, know where you are going afterwards. You have to uh, turn to the right direction, not wander around the, the uh, maybe the city that you don't know if you are traveling uh, to another city to, to play a recital. Very good, John, very good. Um, uh, what about um, uh, practices on the organ that you are playing? Uh, let's say you you were playing um, in Victor Ga Victor Harbor, right? Uh, at, for Christmas uh, recital, how many hours did you have to prepare there for registration changes and things like that? Yes, it was. Um, it's quite limited, so um probably only four hours uh so i had two hours on one day and two hours on another day the day before so um i i do all my registration pre-planned as much as possible so um you know i always make sure that i have the stop list beforehand mm -hmm. um, thankfully i've played there quite a few years now so I have photos of the organ I have recordings and I have a quite a good idea of 
which stops blend with the others. But I still try to have everything written out on a piece of paper and I sit down, pull out those stops and I'll, I'll just play the main sections or where there's stop changes. I'll quickly play those to get a sound to make sure that, for example, the there's balance between the two manuals. If there's a solo part on one manual and accompaniment on the other, to make sure that the the sounds balance and make sure that the pedal isn't isn't too heavy uh, or out too lined. I need to spend a few minutes on simplifying it because uh, on this organ now it's getting quite out of uh, quite in, in, in it needs some repairs and and a lot of things aren't well quite a few things aren't working as they should and i found that some of the preset um, buttons the thumb pistons that um, certain stops aren't popping out that are supposed to and silly things like uh, when you would press piston number four on the great manual which was which is the last piston um, it would do strange things like um, bring out the trumpet on the swell <laughs> when it was only supposed to be affecting great so um, sometimes I made assumptions that I could use the preset pistons and then I found they weren't working so I'd have to simplify the registration by hand because it was too big a risk on the piston malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's um, sometimes unpredictable for in old organs, right, uh, which are not really taken care of properly. Um, stop changes can happen very, very in strange ways, right? Um, so changing them by hand is, is more actually secure right uh, yeah but even then sometimes you get mixed results i remember playing uh, organ demonstration in a town called vievis um, that's about maybe 40 kilometers north of vilnius um, or maybe um, yeah west uh, northwest of vilnius let's say and uh, the local organist helped me very much because the organ stops were labeled in the wrong way. He, only he knew the right disposition of stops and the arrangements of on the on the uh, organ council. This organ was made by by a very amateur organ builder, I think, in Soviet times, and uh, you know where they say flute four, it might be like a principal. 16 right or or a mixture where where it says a mixture it can it can be flute eight you know <laughs> and he knew that i didn't so he helped me i i told him i told him i need such and such stops or such and such combinations and he really prepared me uh, in advance uh, mechanically pulling the stops by hand that's that's the best way i think uh, and of course if you improvise you don't don't get very upset if if it's something uh, 
out of the ordinary. If if you're supposed to play flute eight, and uh, it sounds like a principle, right? You don't get too upset um, because you are changing in the moment. You're adapting your music, and uh, that's what I usually do too. So I, I Another, hope you keep, um, keep improvising too, John. Yes. Another another interesting uh, topic for discussion, which you might have some wise words, was on this organ. Uh, I played um, Bach's Wacket Uft, BWV 645, I believe. Yeah. And um, as you know, the uh, chorale tune uh, traditionally is played with a trumpet, solo trumpet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on this particular organ, the console is located a long way from the pipes. And even though it's electric action, the uh, action's very slow and the pipes are very slow to speak. So there's more than a quarter note delay from when you press the key to when you hear the sound. And something else that caused me a a great deal of stress was that... um, the trumpet stop was much too loud and and quite unrefined um but they had a it, the swell has a cornopian stop which i mixed the um, cornopian and the oboe together made quite a nice trumpet sound yeah much more refined and rich tone uh, but the problem was that with the slow action and the pipes being slow to speak when I was doing the ornamentations and the trills in the chorale tune, the uh, the notes were blurring together quite badly. And uh, that was the first time I'd come across that challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with the benefit of hindsight, I made the wrong decision because I decided to try and play the trills slower and I slowed the piece down a little and tried slow the trills Um, but i think with the benefit of hindsight might have been better to omit the trills completely but that was quite a shock when you're used to practicing it a certain way with all of the trills to then have an organ that the action's so slow that that you couldn't play that because i'm i'm used to playing a mechanical action organ at our church which has beautiful crisp speech and crisp action very precise and um, going to this electric action with a big sound delay was a nightmare we have some organs like that john in lithuania but they're not usually electric they usually are pneumatic and if it's in a good condition restored condition then it doesn't have delays i've heard um, i've heard it from organ builder gene Bidi and uh, that a properly functioning pneumatical action doesn't really give delays but uh, you know since the tubes are not maybe uh, well kept uh, maybe the air pressure is too low there uh, you get those delays and um, what i have noticed in the past that uh, whenever i fight that situation i get uh, uh, tempo 
uh, slowing down and down and down. Uh, did you know? Did you have this kind of situation in your performances? Yeah, that that was a struggle. Um, I was able to keep the tempo moving, um, but. I, the trills didn't really work at all. And I think with the benefit of hindsight, um, I think given Vakat Aft is quite a simple hymn tune, I think it still would sound beautiful without the trills, even though the trills are really lovely and add a lot to it. Um, I think having no trills would have been better than them sort of blurring. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh diminishing ornaments might might help you focus on the music instead of of those details uh, and those details might slow you down uh, but the main probably technique in fighting or adjusting maybe adjusting to that situation when there is a sound delay is listening not Paying to what, paying attention to not what is sounding, but what you are actually uh, playing with your fingers, how fast you are depressing the the keys. It's like it's like with choir basically when you when you are directing the choir from a distance. Conductor is let's say um, downstairs in the church and uh, the choir is upstairs or maybe there are two choirs one is downstairs and one another is upstairs like polychoral music and they have to work together at some point maybe for people in the middle sitting this simultaneously uh, sinking sound would be would be perfect um, but the technique is that you have to you have to really look at at the director's movements when they they conduct one two three four or one two three one two three and in the distance this is still without delays right it's 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 not like speed of light it's not like you are removed from the director choir director into the moon or the sun when there is a delay in in speed of light but basically if you imitate those uh, movements and not the sound that the choir is making then you are okay right uh, you follow those movements one two three four for example and you sync in time with those movements not in time with let's say what another choir is singing and you're hearing with the sound delays in uh, across the room right that's 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 already too late so that helps a lot to remember when you're playing uh, organs with sound delays as well. Uh, listening not to the sound what you hear from the organ, but uh, basically pay, paying attention to your real-time movements of the fingers and feet, of course. At first, it's very disturbing. It's it's it really um, one of needs much practice on that instrument but later you will you will get it little by little yes mm -hmm. now you you've touched on something very important and uh, i think one of the biggest areas that i've improved this year 
is um, um, I know it sounds so simple and it's my probably my own fault for not tapping into this earlier, but um, I've really tried to make a commitment this year to most of my practice being with a metronome. So I've downloaded a metronome app onto my phone, which I always have with me. Mm-hmm. And I've been very disciplined and my repertoire for this concert, I did a huge amount of practice with the metronome. And and you're exactly right because I know, um, I don't know if I'm a little bit unusual because I know that you've said for a long time about the importance of counting and maintaining a steady beat. Unfortunately, I have real trouble trying to count and play at the same time. In fact, I find it almost impossible to sing a hymn while I'm playing. I I don't know why, I just have dreadful trouble. Um, I don't know if it's using a different part of my brain but I find speaking or counting or singing while I'm playing very difficult. Um, I'm working on it, but I found that when I try to count, I thought that I was keeping an even count, but I wasn't. When I was getting to difficult measure, my counting was actually adjusting to my playing instead of my playing staying um, the correct tempo. So um, by having the metronome going on my phone was quite a rude shock at times where I realized how how I was getting off beat mm-hmm. and um, over the course of the last probably three months I believe there's been a significant improvement what I found interesting was that your your playing sounds so confident so you were saying John about uh, the importance of counting, right? Uh, and you have downloaded uh, the metronome app on your phone. Can you uh, expand a little bit on that? Why is that important for you? And why can't you f- count uh, without the metronome? Yes, no, I've, for some reason I find it very difficult to... Um, to speak while I'm playing or count aloud regularly while I'm playing or even sing along while I'm playing. I don't know if it's a different part of my brain to uh, what I'm using to play the music. Um, But I found that even though I thought that I was counting even beats, that I was slowing down when I came to difficult measures. And uh, it's been very beneficial using the metronome app because now I started, and that's made a big difference to my playing. The last three months I've been very disciplined with practicing with a metronome. And I was quite surprised I had a number of people saying to me, your, your playing sounds so confident now. And yet I didn't feel any more confident in myself I didn't feel like there was that much difference, but I think uh, I interpreted that as because I'm playing much more evenly and predictably now with a steady tempo that it comes across to the audience that I'm confident. Uh-huh. 
cannot can can't you do that without the metronome can't you count with your mouth let's say yes so i i try so when i'm practicing i'll try and count as well but i found that um just counting allowed that i wasn't keeping an even even beat that without realizing it i was slowing down the counting uh so um when i'm obviously when i'm playing for church services or the carol service or recital i don't have the metronome going then um, but i found that after three months of doing that i could almost hear the metronome beat in my head uh, subconsciously and and um, that helped enormously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, i don't know i don't know if it's very very helpful to do that for a long time because you get you get dependent on that in uh, metronome click right um what i teach my students most of the time is to depend on your internal count and uh, the reason people cannot count securely and evenly without the metronome is that they don't count out loud have you tried to do that it's difficult of course i'm not denying it but it's the only way to learn how to count without the metronome out loud it is a challenge but try to do that uh, aloud try to to do this even though it is a challenge even though you cannot do this correctly at first but try to persist a little bit if you persist the problem will disappear after after a while you know but you have to but you do but you have to set yourself for success with this i don't see i don't see how metronome using this way is going to help you count without the metronome you know in the future uh, because yeah. The metronome usually is very helpful for discovering the the ideal tempo right if it's written in the music let's say 80 beats per measure per minute 80 uh, you don't know exactly what it means so you check right or if it's 120 you check or if it's written uh, let's say moderato you don't know exactly what moderato means you check and um, you can do that and it's it's really helpful to check the tempo but uh, but it's not really helpful to depend on the metron metronome while playing and develop the sense of independence uh, it's like walking it's like taking a walk and uh, learning to walk with the crutch the crutch will not help you walk right it will help you maybe uh, not to fall down basically but nobody really learned how to walk with a crutch you have to probably fall down many times until you get comfortable uh, walking and then later running same thing i know you are doing this maybe subconsciously out of fear 
of uh, being wrong, right? But I, I can probably um, recommend that you, you would not be afraid of being wrong. It's okay of making those tempo fluctuations at first, but be very, very precise at counting out loud with your, with your, with your mouth while playing. Yes, no, that's, that's very good advice. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's something that, that I'll definitely want to work on in 2020. Uh, because um, I was surprised when I was listening to the metronome, I was surprised at how much my tempo was drifting, even though I didn't realize. And um, um, I've since well, these few months of uh, working that way, um, it's definitely changed the way that I listen to music and listen to myself practicing. So um, hopefully this will have been a useful um, short-term um, learning, uh, sort of recalibration perhaps. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it will not be easy for you at first and generally people get discouraged, but I think you have enough perseverance uh, in, your, in your practice that uh, you can be successful even even uh, while counting out loud without the metronome for a longer period of time, right, John? Yes, and I think the other thing I learned was that that uh, I probably wasn't breaking down the subdivisions fine enough, so uh -huh. um, that I needed to break down the counting to the smallest note that was in, in that measure for that section that I was playing. That's very, very helpful. Uh, when we have, uh, let's say, um, s smaller note values, let's say 30 seconds or 16 notes, uh, and we cannot really play them fast enough, it's very, very helpful to start counting out loud and breaking down those subdivisions. Yes, well, it it it, it certainly. Um, I th there was a case where there was some um, faster notes, and I thought that I was playing them evenly, and and someone gave me some advice and said that in an exaggerated way, it sounded like I was playing the first note as a dotted note, and then the rest like semi quavers and uh, I couldn't hear it at first and I didn't really uh, they they played it for me correctly and then I recorded myself and went back and listened to it then I started to hear this very slight discrepancy which most people in the congregation or or the audience wouldn't hear but this person had a very skilled ear and they were able to detect that difference. Mm -hmm. uh, what about, John, um, recording yourself? Do you do that? Yes. Yes, so um, most of the public events that I play for, I record. And uh, sometimes um, 
sometimes I'll, if, if I'm preparing for a recital or for a big service or something, I'll take the video camera and set it up on a tripod and take some recordings and then review it. Aha. Uh -huh. So you are recording yourself. What are you doing uh, with those recordings later on? Um, occasionally I'll go, so for example, the, the um, Christmas concert that I play at Victor Harbour, I think it's the eighth year I've played there now. Um, I've got recordings of all of them except for one. And uh, sometimes when I'm um, backing up files or things on the computer, I come across them and I open them up and listen to them. And it's, it's sort of quite a mixed feeling. On the one hand, I'm so surprised at how far I've come and how much I've improved and developed. And on the other hand, it's very embarrassing. <laughs> Why is that? Why do you feel that it's embarrassing? Oh, lot, just uh, quite a lot of mistakes and um, probably. Yes. Not, not, not being able to convey that music to the audience in a way that would really grip them i see um but you see you see those old recordings are part of your experience right part of your learning experience you cannot escape playing without mistakes uh, in an in an old way uh, when five or ten years from now you will you get a chance to listen to them of course they will sound um, your ear maybe a little bit um, immature or uh, insecure right and that's that's okay I, I think what's important is that you keep a public record of your your um, uh, experiences and not only record your your results right but you record your process it's very important to record your practice too yes yes i think i think that's a good idea of something i could do more this year is record practice yeah definitely do you think that uh, uh, participating in our secrets of organ playing contest would be helpful for you to motivate yourself to record uh, regularly because we have those uh, weekly entries right uh, every day I, I announce a phrase of that week and uh, a person who submits a video has to say that phrase on the video and play whatever they want you can play a chorale tune a chorale prelude you can play a hymn hymn um, harmonization an exercise you can play a longer piece that you're working on whatever you feel comfortable the most and it doesn't have to be played uh, uh, from the first try you can you can do multiple takes and uh, maybe select the best one yes no i'm something it's something i'm very interested in doing and i 
certainly had the best intentions this last year of doing that more often. And I sort of started off doing that a few times and um, then sort of became quite overwhelmed with um, keeping up with everything. Um, but I was thinking that um, seeing as I've put so much work in uh, the nine lessons and carols service, there was um, 10 Christmas carols and two, an organ voluntary and a postlude. So there's 12 pieces of music. And I thought um, that I could play those, say, for the first 12 weeks of this year. Um, because I, I sort of felt um, a little bit disappointed that I, I wasn't able to learn new repertoire or things to play um, mm. because I was too busy this year. That's right. Well, especially now, because you are playing once a month during the church service, you have an ideal, actually privileged position to record yourself while you're playing live. Let's say, um, me too. I, I, last Sunday, I played for a mass uh, at St. John's Church, and they invited me to improvise, and I set up a, my phone, uh, next to the organ console and live streamed uh, my improvisations for prelude, offertory, communion, and uh, postlude. Those were Christmas tunes, basically, improvised on the Christmas carols. And the next Sunday, in a few days, uh, I will go there to, to improvise again. And, and I will be carrying a camera with me, my phone, and uh, my tripod and uh, i know i will be recording and live streaming myself it's very very important for my own development to keep uh, documenting my own work yes and, uh, and i think another uh, another really important lesson which um i already knew but i, I probably needed to leverage off more was that um there's a saying that sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I think uh, sometimes with our playing, uh, we, don't, we don't necessarily have the self-awareness to realize where we could improve or where there's small mistakes or things like that. And I think by having the recordings and um, having other people who, who you trust who are experienced to provide some um, critiquing and evaluation has been very valuable. You know, you're right, John, uh, when we are in earlier ages of our development as an organist, we, uh, we play and sometimes it seems like okay, right? And even if we record ourselves and listen to that playing, it might sound okay really to us. Um, because our taste hasn't developed well. So the, the, the method of advancing in this kind of uh, musical taste is really listening to as many, many musical compositions and performances of our other organists. Um, it's really, really helpful to listen regularly. It's, it's like um, if you want to be... If you want to be a writer, right? 
uh, create a novel, let's say, you have to read a lot, first of all. You have to read a lot of other writers. And out of reading those works and those books, uh, you get ideas which you can uh, um, combine in your own book, right? Um, so in the same way with organ playing, if you want to perform well, you have to listen to many, many musical compositions that other organists are playing, other organists that are maybe better than us, at the be better level than us. So that's that's really, really helpful advice, I hope, not only to you, but people who are in your shoes, who who don't know what they don't know. Yes, and I think the um, uh, you, you're exactly right because particularly for someone like myself who's in a rural area and uh, I don't have any local organ teachers, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so privileged, um, but at the same time, it's tricky because I think some of these errors, um, if I was having a weekly lesson or something like that, um, you would pick them up and address them. But at the moment, it relies on self-awareness to identify. Um, and what I've found, I've spent many, many hours watching the um, the um, recordings on YouTube from King's College, Cambridge in the UK of the nine lessons and carols at King's College. And um, I'm sure, you, as you know, um, probably one of the, the most esteemed organists and choir directors there for many, many years. Um, uh, has left a, a great legacy in a musical tradition there of um, Mr. Stephen Cleebury. Um, he's actually passed away, um, sadly, a few years ago. Um, but many of the, there's many recordings on YouTube of the cat spent many hours uh, analysing those, the things like tempo and phrasing, registrations, um, and it's a wonderful example of the highest, highest degree of musical culture. Mm -hmm. That's right, John. I'm very glad that you are listening to other people's work and do that more often. And I hope uh, that this new year uh, will bring you lots of creative outlets, lots of creative ideas, good health to you and your family, of course. And, um, and uh, of course, uh, joy in doing what you love. Thank you so much, John. And before we end this conversation, can you share with our listeners uh, what is the best way for our listeners to find out about you more and about your work? Where do they could uh, go online? Yes, uh, probably the best, the best places to catch me are um, you can either send me an email, which um, you're more than welcome to post my email address on the on the podcast and the blog and i also have my own youtube channel uh called um <clears throat> if you google 
John Higgins or um, Hidden Treasures? The YouTube Hidden Treasures. channel is called Hidden Treasures. Mm -hmm. Is the the name of your your uh, YouTube channel Hidden Treasures, or is that the different particular piece that it's called Hidden Treasures? Yes, that the the channel's called Hidden Treasures. Oh, okay. Channel is called uh, Hidden Treasures. I hope you will send me a link of your channels. I can I can insert a link into the description of this conversation so that people can click uh, and visit your YouTube channel. Can they write a comment and uh, message you on YouTube as well? Yes, mm -hmm. that'd be wonderful. Maybe that would be safer than than giving out. Uh, a, a private email address online, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. let's encourage. Uh, will they find a lot of your organ performances there, uh, John? There's only a few videos there at the moment, but I'm I'm hoping to add a lot more this year. Excellent. And uh, while you do that, share them on Steam. We are very very grateful. For people who do that, we have a small but very vibrant uh, organist community on Steam who participate in our Secrets of Organ Playing contest. So I hope you will rejoin us too. Yes. And uh, the, some of your listeners will find when they go to my channel, uh, there's uh, one of the video clips on there is a uh, uh, an extract from my DVD, which I recorded last year, the uh, improvisation on Judas Maccabeus by George Frederick Handel. And uh, if they enjoy that and they like it, um, they'd be more than welcome to purchase one of my DVDs. Exactly. So, so John, my final advice is uh, like for everybody, if you want to record a DVD, you can you can do this in segments in sections you can record one piece a week and later make a compilation of, of those tracks into a larger uh, collection as a dvd or or a cd if, if you're not willing to do that uh, with video or or even upload them to a site like like uh, DistroKid, which distributes to Spotify and other streaming platforms. It's It can become a, you know, like a additional stream of revenue for people. Uh, this is really helpful. So, because people are streaming now nowadays and uh, not necessarily holding and watching physical DVDs, not so much anymore, right? Yes, that's right. Excellent. Thank you so much, John. Good luck in your practice. And uh, and uh, when you get uh, created, when you create something new, uh, reach out to me. I will be happy to talk uh, to you again soon. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Vitas. And I'm, I'm just so proud to be one of your students. And I'm definitely looking forward to this year. I think it's going to be another exciting year of growth in my organ playing. And I am hoping um, later in the year 
to um, release a, a Christmas album. Wonderful. This blog is supported by Total Organist, the most comprehensive organ training program online, where you will find courses for every area of organ playing, including technique, practice, sight reading, repertoire playing, hymn playing, improvisation, composition, music theory, and harmony, with hundreds of scores and thousands of exercises. Here is what some of the students are saying. Who writes? The sight reading course has helped me tremendously. Thank you very much for SS courses and all your help. Robert writes, I found the fingerings, registration ideas and general comments to be excellent. John writes, I have found your download very helpful. It was really excellent. I have watched some of your teaching videos and when I read your instructions. I try to imagine you are there teaching me. You may feel disappointed that I am two three days behind, but I am a slow learner, and I have committed to taking the time to get it right as you say. But the other night my wife commented that she had never heard me play such a detailed melody in the left hand so well. My left hand is generally poor. Robert writes, It has been a great pleasure in my life of having discovered your courses and material as well as the YouTube work of recordings. You have a calm and pleasant way of teaching. Ron writes, Hi Vides and Osha. Thank you guys. What a wonderful response to my email note to you. You've got me right, and I feel you understand my level of playing. Yes, at home and lucky that I have an organ for that reason. I am paying attention to this, and I am going to try this haha no longer secret model. Yes, and I love Caesar Frank too. What is very nice about your blog podcast is that Osha and Vidas are like a Socratic dialogue, and by bouncing things off of each other, so much more information comes out and is expressed. Your comments contain a wealth of information and understanding. I really appreciate this. It is very inspiring and will keep us moving forward. Would you like to receive the same or even better results that our students are getting? If so, join them at organduo.lt slash total-organist. And of course, you will get the first month free too. You can cancel anytime. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to receive free updates of this blog, make sure you do that at organduo.lt. By subscribing, you will also receive free video, how to master any organ composition and... 10-day organ playing mini course. This was Vidas and Osha from Secrets of Organ Playing. And remember, when you practice, miracles happen.